0: Ah, the smell of perfect pizza. The carpet of wet leaves on the sidewalk. Ambulances and traffic running 24 seven. Intimidatingly fashionable outerwear. New York City is one of my favorite cities in the world and there's no better time to be there than the fall. I mean, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? Come on. And how much more beautiful will all of our cities be when they're perfected in the love and the grace of God? But how shall they know about his grace unless someone tells them? What better place, what better time to come and refresh yourself on the art and craft of preaching than New York in November? Register now for Preaching in a Post-Christian Age. This is a three-day Living Church conference in the heart of Manhattan where you can enjoy world-class keynotes, conversations with experts, warm fellowship with other Christian leaders, and hone your skills as a preacher of God's word. And we might have dinner at a speakeasy, just saying. Tickets start at just 50 bucks. Find more information at livingchurch.org forward slash events or click the link in the show notes today.
1: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, it's hot in New York, it's hot in Texas, it's hot everywhere. Maybe for our listeners in Manitoba, you're doing okay, you're staying cool. But, uh, But the rest of us, we're sweating, but thanks be to God... As we record. While it's hot As outside, the gospel's even yeah. hotter. Yeah, I, want, I think we've talked about this before, but you you have to turn off your air conditioning. Um, because To record, to record yeah. Uh mm-hmm. That's actually, that's prohibited by the state constitution of Texas, <laughs> so uh, I'm cool and collected.
2: Well, it's because you guys probably have
1: central cooling, right? Yes, but in your beautiful, so- charming, old building
2: nope we have them hang out our windows and then they like drip on people as you walk by the sidewalk and uh so and they're really loud um yeah but anyway enough about acs it is it's hot out there but the gospel as you were about to say is much hotter
1: (laughs) um but also it will cool your um your your burning sinful heart with the with the refreshing Mm. grace of god lord Uh, knows i need it lord
2: knows i need it it's easy you know it's easy to talk about but uh, you know, to walk through it, and sometimes this year for a minister, this time of year as we're kicking off programs and people are coming back, and the demands are on your, uh, the demands you watch your calendar filling up, you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and so what a lot Jesus of our statement. listeners don't
1: know is Jake has a real DraftKings problem. He is just totally maxing out. He's <laughs> he's betting on a lot of European volleyball, um, mm. right? Mm. I mean, I just I feel like getting I'm, it getting the getting it out into the light, you know.
2: I've just been really frustrated with Croatia. They were supposed to go the whole way, and so and they didn't. <laughs> yep, and now the credit
1: card bills come and do. So mm, Bosnia Herzegovina. Who cool would have thought? I know. So. Kid's gonna be eating a little cereal out of a bag for dinner.
2: Have you ever noticed that like Eastern Europeans are really into peculiar sports? Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna judge. I don't know. Maybe they think the same about no. us. What's up with our yeah, American football? Yeah, that's true. Football? Did you know? Oh, so I got a funny story for everybody. So. um... My daughter is. Uh, this is. Listeners, doing you can a hit the advance
1: by thirty seconds at this point yeah, yeah. if you'd like to. Now, this
2: is really funny though. But my daughter <laughs> is doing a semester abroad, and uh, anyway, uh, we were at our friend's house, and they have a, a daughter who's like nine and just says whatever comes to her mind. And the mother of our the mother the our friend the the mother said, you know, to Sophia, so what are you uh, most afraid of? And uh, and she goes, well, I'm really worried that my roommate might be weird. And the little girl goes to my daughter, well, what if you're the weird one? It's all subjective. It is, really. But uh, not the gospel. The gospel is objective. It's outside of you. And it declares that because of Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. Now, we come to uh, our Old Testament reading, Jonah chapter 3, verses 10, 4 through 11. And then our epistle reading is Philippians chapter 21, Philippians chapter 1, Verses 21 to 30, and then our gospel reading, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, and um, so we're uh, faced here with a wonderful, wonderful uh, picture of Jonah. Yeah. And so and uh, God's grace, but uh, I guess the human condition and uh, its reaction when it's really when it really encounters God's grace.
1: Yeah, and I'll go ahead and give away the punchline at the beginning. Just, like, it away. just like Jake how you told that story right now you were you told us it was funny before you told us the story you're like hold on this is going to be funny
2: (laughs) it was funny to me yeah see it's objective the gospel's objective
1: uh yeah the gospel is objective and the thing that is the punchline of these readings for um sunday september 24th primarily the jonah reading again we're in track two and the um, reading from matthew's gospel at the end the parable um of these vineyard workers that get paid the same amount no matter what time they start working. Like, it's all about the unfairness of God, the grace of God, which you could also say the unfairness of God, because grace means you get stuff you don't deserve, and it means the winners of the world, yes, they get prizes and the love of God, but so do the losers of the world. It's super unfair. It's like everybody gets the golden buzzer, and it's like, well, that's not how it's supposed to work. And so you see this clearly in the Jonah reading. You see it in the Matthew reading. Um, and... Uh, um, so I think that's 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 kind of where we where we begin. And actually, you can kind of get to some of it in the Exodus reading if you're a track one person. Like God is giving manna and stuff, and all the and the 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 quails and stuff for for the people that are kind of you know they just complain. So everybody gets grace not because they deserve it, but because God is loving. Um, and but Jonah doesn't like it, and we don't like it. We like it for ourselves, but we don't really like it for other people. So. This Jonah reading is coming out of the clear blue sky for your congregations um, because it's not like we read Jonah last week or we'll read it next week. It's just this one thing kind of dropped in. So if you do it, you will maybe need to explain a little bit of the thing. Everybody knows about Jonah and the quote-unquote whale. It's a big fish is what the text says. But they don't often know the whole background of it that... Not to be confused
2: with real big fish, the mm, great ska band. The great
1: Christian ska (laughs) band, or was it it a Christian ska band?
2: I don't know that they were, but anyway, they were, you know, there couldn't help it. um, uh,
1: The mighty, mighty boss tones, Mm -hmm. skank and pickle. Anyways, so Jonah, in the beginning, he's told to go minister and preach, essentially, a call to repent to the pagan city of Nineveh. He doesn't want to do it, so he gets on that boat, runs away, and while he's running away, the storm comes. He knows it's because of his disobedience, so he tells the sailors, "Throw me overboard, and uh, and you'll be saved." They do. While he's thrown overboard, they um, the the storm stops. The ship is fine. Jonah gets swallowed up by this fish. He gets uh, he prays, he repents, and the the fish spits him out on dry land and then he on the what the third day on the third day he's resurrected um and this is what jesus calls the sign of jonah kind of coming out on the third day so he then goes to nineveh he preaches repentance everybody repents he's like the most successful preacher in the history of the world it's like billy graham crusade and every single person in gillette stadium comes to faith in jesus christ and so jonah though is angry Uh, As it says right there in the beginning, God saw what the people of Nineveh did, how they turned from their ways, God changed his mind, he's not gonna bring the heat dome, the burning man flood, the hurricane Adalia, the Maui wildfires, all the stuff that was gonna fall on these people, he doesn't do it, and Jonah is angry. Um, he's like this is why I ran away because I knew you would be so good to these people and I want you not to be that way I want you to give people what they deserve Uh, and it's um, it's it's that's the thing that human beings we don't like it when people don't get what they deserve there are people who um, uh, like it when uh, some supposedly bad person gets kind of their just desserts, gets arrested, gets sentenced, whatever. Um, but if there's someone you like, you don't want that to happen to them. So you can see this whole thing going on now where, like, some people want Trump to be indicted, some people want Biden to be indicted, impeached, but, like, um, it's okay for it to happen to the guy I don't like, but don't let it happen to the guy I do like. And this is what is going on with Jonah here. He's like, I he himself has received grace from god and he's grateful for it but he doesn't want other people to get it and um then there's this thing at the end about this bush this tree that grows and it's kind of a little case study a little living parable for jonah to go through but i think if you were gonna so that's kind of what it's about jake how would you connect this to people in the congregation how would you preach this to folks where they could kind of take something home in their back pocket
2: yeah i think uh that the way i would preach it is is that this is a um This is a powerful, powerful illustration of the scandal of grace and how, ultimately, we find it extremely, extremely offensive. The interesting thing is, is that when you read, and if you're going to preach this text, you do have to provide the context. Um, uh, But uh, the interesting thing is, is that when you provide the context of the story, what you begin to see is that Jonah's life actually parallels that of the Ninevites. It's not like Jonah was like this obedient servant the whole time and was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. No, he disobeys God by going to the other ends of the earth, you know, and, uh, which led almost to uh, the verge of disaster. And uh, God uh, demonstrated profound, profound grace to him as well. Uh, this grace came in the form of almost uh, bringing him to the point of death. But nonetheless, uh, God um, shows him grace and uh, and and. Uh, and continues His plan. I love that we cannot thwart God's plans, and so. But the point here is, is that um, the lesson is, is that God. Well, one, I think the first point is, is that you are more like the people you can't stand than you could possibly imagine. That's right. I remember there is this great illustration we used to, I used to do in Varsity, You know, like okay, so. Um, Uh, Where on the wall is the worst person in the world? And they're like Adolf Hitler down on the bottom. Where's the best person on this wall? Mother Teresa up near the ceiling. And where are you? Nine times out of 10 people were like right in the middle. And then I would always say, well, Jesus is the moon. So you're closer to Adolf Hitler than you could possibly imagine. But the point here is, is that the point here is, is that, yeah, we are all sinners. And that we are all closer to the people that we cannot stand. You, uh, blue, progressive, amazing, you know, voting, always true and right Democrat, are more close, close to the Trump guy than you could possibly imagine. And vice versa, you Trump guy who thinks that the world's coming to an end because of Biden, you're closer to a Bidenite than you could possibly imagine. And so God gives an opportunity for all, and he uses this as a profound lesson to Jonah and to all of us that we're more, we're closer to our worst enemy than we care to imagine. But God's grace is wider than we could possibly imagine. So wide, it's even wider than we might actually desire. It's so wide it actually might be an offense because we live in a dynamic of some must be punished some should go to hell you know and god doesn't care about certain people but he definitely cares about me and all my friends and so the, i think the lesson here is to recognize that we're all closer to our enemy than we could possibly imagine and the good news of the gospel is it's for you and
1: the other thing too that this passage uh, really tries to get at is i think the self-absorption of the human heart uh, and mm. i think there are so many people that are like i'm a good person um, but it's like, well, are you, like, are you, because I think most of us are good people as long as the air conditioning works, there's money in the bank account, um, yeah. you know, just we're, we're comfortable, there's food in our bellies. Um, you don't really know who you are until you're stressed with losing things and being mm. physically uncomfortable. And so I think, the, the you know, Jonah here at the end, he's complaining that God was merciful to the Ninevites. God causes this little bush to grow up and give him shade, and it's nice. And then the next day, God sends this worm to eat the bush, and the bush dies. And so now he's getting scorched by the sun and dried out by the wind and all that. And so his physical comfort has now gone away, and uh, he's really angry about it. And God says, look, you care more about whether this bush grows to give you shade or not compared to um, the fact that I just saved a city of, like, Hundred thousand people, you don't care about that. Like you should be rejoicing that I showed mercy on these people. Really, all you care about is yourself. Um, that mm. he says that great seat in which there are hundred twenty thousand persons, and also many animals. Like it's so funny he includes the the <laughs> critters in there too. Like uh, God cares no, about them
2: too. Isn't that powerful though? That like I mean, God is uh, more concerned, and His grace is oftentimes demonstrated in our frustration. We're so blind that we can't see the. The grace, And, uh, you know, and if you're preaching to the Ninevites in the room, the word for them is, man, God's grace is going to come to you from a place you'd least expect it to, like mm. a random Jewish prophet who's really bitter and doesn't like you at all. So God's grace is coming at all sorts of places. Um, and it is, uh, and God is interested more in your salvation than in what you think is right and your comfort. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, moving on to the unfairness of God, Uh, St. Paul in the Philippians is dealing with the reality of suffering and the reality of death for the Christian, which many Christians think, oh, I shouldn't ever suffer, I shouldn't ever be in pain what, why, I don't have victory all the time, I'm not living my best life now, Um, and Paul's perspective is really different, and by the way, if you want to, this is the beginning of a series uh, of Sundays where you will have Philippians as the epistle text, so if you'd like to start a little series, uh, it'll be going all the way through uh, October 15th, except for, uh, yeah, uh, one break on the 9th, uh, where you're in um, 2 Corinthians, just for the fun of it. So, uh, in this passage, Paul is saying that uh, living is Christ and dying is gain, and he, you know, he wants to go be with Christ, uh, but but he also knows that um, part of him wants to stay and be with the Philippians. So he's he's in this uh, mentally torn state, but he um, he kind of gives up what he wants, which is to go be with Christ. He's somebody who's in prison. He's um, uh, maybe not well physically he's saying, but I want to stay with you so that I can help you out, as opposed to uh, departing and being with Christ. Um, the other thing here is um, talking about, as I said, suffering. Um, he said, um, God has granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. And I don't know anything that's so counter to how... Um, People in the church, especially in the American church, sort of think about think about life, and I think sometimes people think the grace of God only looks like everything going great. Um, uh, the grace of God sometimes manifests itself in our lives um, when we are challenged and suffering, and um, and I think that's that's the you know we are easter sunday people but we're also good friday people and holy saturday that in between time so so Mm -hmm. paul is very much rooted in that and i think um he he's not even talking about questions of fairness or unfairness he's just saying like god is at work in all these things and uh we are to um do what he says which is to stand firm in one spirit in the gospel
2: Mm. that's absolutely right (laughs)
1: nothing to say all right good well yeah no But this
2: is good i mean you know there's a great lesson in this that actually my silence is teaching um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no it's like hey preacher listen uh some of you only have 10 minutes worth of stuff to say and you can say it in 10 minutes the problem is is that when a preacher has 10 minutes worth of stuff to say and they say it in 30 and so um anyway hmm. i mean you've said it it's really good i mean uh uh uh, to, to 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 die in Christ, to, to living is Christ and dying is gain. I mean that is that is what the Christian faith is all about. And this wasn't written um, you know, Saint Paul lacing up at a basketball game. Uh, this is written from a prison. And uh you know and Paul is in shackles in this moment and uh and of course, he'd rather die. I mean, you know, Roman prison was a was a terrible, terrible place to be. Um, but he recognizes once again. There's an there's this constant theme that's running through. Um, God is more interested in delivering grace and uh, demonstrating His goodness than necessarily always our comfort. And uh, good Lord, I would love to be comfortable all the time. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, you know, anybody who's like. You know, I talk to couples all the time, and they're, I was like, well, what do you love about this couple? And they're like, well, they really really challenges me. And I'm like, that is nonsense. Nobody wants to be challenged all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, what I need is some comfort. And, uh, but what Paul is saying here is that God's grace oftentimes in our life manifests itself through the uncomfortable and through difficult situations. And so as you're going through these difficult situations, this isn't a sign of God's absence, but oftentimes this can be a sign of God's presence in your life as his nearness working through you is conforming you into the image of his son Jesus. And the way that manifests itself in this age is through the cross. Mm. So I think in here what we see is a real honesty from St. Paul, um, but uh, a real honesty, but uh, really the power of God working uh, uh, in the midst of real struggle. And so struggle is not a sign of God's absence. Struggle is a sign of God's formation, and when you keep that in mind, the cross is the center thing. I think that becomes the protecting agent from us becoming bitter, mm.
1: yeah. I mean, because otherwise, you'll be like Jonah, like, Oh, my little tree dried away, mm. and life is hard. Um, I think you can lament, and I mean, the Bible's yeah. full of lament, and Ooh. even Jonah he's lamenting, and God responds to him. So, I think that is a form of prayer for sure, but um, realizing that, um, I don't, I mean, gosh. You know, it seems like most people, the way God becomes really real to them in their life is through a struggle, is through a difficult time. Mm-hmm. So, well, speaking of struggling, the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20.
2: I mean, can I just go back? Absolutely, that is exactly what Paul says here, and this is God's doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, the worst piece of information you could give is this wasn't God's fault. No, this is God's doing, and uh, He has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ. Uh, but of suffering for him as well. So, you know, I think that's something we forget in American Christianity. Uh, To suffer for Jesus um, is also a privilege. And uh, Paul says, if you think I'm just saying this as a bumper sticker, you're completely wrong. Uh, But um, you're, uh, you know, I'm in it too. And so, uh, and that's the truth. And
1: by the way, suffering for Christ here is not... um does not mean you were, because you have a Christian interpretation of some moral issue, you were an a-hole to somebody, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then they defriend you on Facebook. Like, that's not the suffering that Paul is talking about. The suffering is um, what happens when you uh, give your life for a message that is so um, scandalously backwards that, um, people are loved, um, even if they're sinners, people are loved, even if they're unpopular, you show grace to all, you don't pick sides, you, you know, if you're that kind of person, um, there will be consequences in your life if you're that gracious of a Christian. Um, and, uh, and here the enemies of the Philippians were some kind of super apostles or preachers that didn't, uh, you know, they were kind of undermining this message of grace and um, people will be offended by it. And so just to be clear, it, suffering for Christ is not sometimes what people think it is in our culture. That's so, right. That's a little side note. All right. Moving on to Matthew chapter 20, Jesus telling this parable, the landowner hires workers for his vineyard. He agrees to pay them the daily wage, and they work. And he, uh, throughout the day, he needs more workers. So every hour he goes, or every few hours, he goes and gets more. And the last people, they only end up working for one hour, and they all line up to get their pay, and they all get the same wage. And, of course, the people who worked at the end love it. The people who worked all day, they are pissed. And Jesus mm. is saying, this is what God is like. God is forgiving. God is gracious. God is extravagantly generous um, to people in that salvation is not a matter of how hard you've worked for God, how on fire for Jesus you are. Salvation is God's grace to you.
2: Yeah, I love how pastoral he is to um, the people who want fairness. And um, he says, you know, he goes, uh... Uh, I did you no wrong. We agreed to a denarius. Take what belongs to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or as the Greek puts it, are you shooting me an evil eye because I'm so generous? Hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's, I mean, you know, it is literally, uh, he's like, what are you talking about? We've agreed to this from the beginning.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of like the Flannery O'Connor story where um, it shows all the, you know, Rejects of the world dancing and going into heaven ahead of all the righteous people, which is what Jesus says is going to happen The last shall be first um, We think that's some deep Zen koan from Jesus or something But really he's saying like the people that you think are lazy, no good, good for nothing, deadbeats, mooches off society, immoral, whatever Whoever is in that category for you, they're getting into heaven before you because it's a matter of grace and all your good deeds and your fancy resume and your church attendance means diddly squat in the eyes of God, and we hate that. So, um, and I
2: tell you, as a pastor, I'm deeply offended. I by know.
1: This I want people to come to church and give lots of money and all that, and you <laughs> sort of need to, but uh, but it doesn't change your salvation at all. Uh, I yeah. think you know the. Uh, you see this attitude come out. I feel like we've talked about this before, and. Uh, the, we've already made some political references on this podcast today, and so, I mean, to the 10 listeners who are still with us, mm-hmm. one of the things we've talked about before is, like, the indignation around the whole student debt thing, and um, I'm not arguing one policy approach versus another yeah, on right. that, but I did think it was interesting that there are many Christian people that are deeply opposed to the idea of forgiving debt, um, <laughs> and I, I just find that ironic because you have this story in Matthew 20, where God um, doesn't seem to care about fairness. He just gives the good stuff to everybody, whether they worked a lot or worked a little, doesn't matter. Um, He's like, go ahead, mooch off me, it's fine. Because that's what grace is about.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I um, I think it's important to note, too, that grace is not some sort of, like, everyone's getting a trophy sort of thing. You know, that's not, like, I think... One thing this parable makes clear is like it's not about everyone getting a trophy Uh, What grace says is those who've lost and don't deserve a thing like the Ninevites Mm. uh, Like the dude who worked for 10 minutes those who didn't even actually show up to work in the vineyard at all and have nothing left to cling to But this unfair promise of the gospel, uh, you know that um, That's what this is about and uh, um, And we believe this thank God that God isn't fair. The good news of the gospel this week is that God is not fair. Uh, and thank God he's not because, um, and you can drive home the gospel this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God actually justifies the ungodly. This is, he doesn't justify the basically good folks getting better. He justifies the ungodly. And as a matter of fact, before you even considered going to his vineyard <laughs> to work, our Lord had already given us a denarius of salvation mm-hmm. in our pockets. And how's this possible? Well, because it's not fair. Jesus labored for the 12 hours under the heat of the law's son, and at the end of the day, he put the denarius he earned into our account. And while it's not fair, it is good news. And uh, this, my friends, is what we call the gospel, the same old song, the gift of eternal life given and received. Not a wage earned. Um, yeah,
1: that's beautiful, Jake. And I think, you know, one thing that is so interesting about the way Jesus tells the story, he's such a good student of what human beings are like. He, he sees mm-hmm. what people like. And you see that, how he talks about the, the workers who have been there all day, they line up to get their paycheck at the end of the day. And it says, um, now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. So they've already been watching other mm-hmm. people. And keeping a running tally in their head of what they deserve. So if you're someone whose approach to life is performance-based, law-based, earning-based, you can't help but compare yourself to other people and feel sort of puffed up and important when you think you're doing better than others. Um, And uh, when they say to the landowner, these last worked only one hour. You've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day. That's the classic thing that someone says who's keeping score. And so, just note that if you're under a law-based approach to life, it makes you always uh, someone who's into comparison, and uh, that is the thief of joy. And it—it's just it. That's why Jesus says, "Worry a lot less about the speck in your brother or sister's eye, but much more about the plank in your own." Um, Someone who is brought near to christ should hear the invitation to be a lot less worried about other people and more worried about kind of um you know you can't answer for other people you got to worry about yourself and really what you need to hear is that god has given you um what you don't deserve he's given you salvation he's giving you um eternal life um and uh don't worry about the other people don't compare just look at yourself and uh, and look at God and really don't even look at yourself that much. Just look at God. That's the important thing here. So uh, mm. I think there's a lot there that you can say to help people realize how we do this in society. So I hope I hope this helps you preachers as we uh, land this plane on the um, readings for Sunday, the 24th of September. Um, apparently there's some conspiracy theories about what's going to happen on the 23rd of September. So I don't know anything about that. Just heard a friend talking about it today. Uh, so whoever knows. But as long as we're here for church on September 24th, these are the readings and make sure people know that the gospel is not fair, but it is good.
2: Amen.
0: Somebody's looking, somebody
2: cares.